Hello, friends. Hello, everyone else. I told you last week that I feel chaos bubbling inside of me, and that I rebel against it. I have just a small, tiny, frightened part of me that is good left inside. But it holds the reins. It is in command. It has been in command. But there is a mutiny plotting within me. My love of chaos and lust for power threaten mutiny against that little good part of me. It's all right. It will fight hard. With all the might its frail little self can muster. I wonder if the man outside my window on the shores far, far down below has stopped visiting. Stopped playing his flute for me by moonlight. Or perhaps instead I have simply stopped listening to it. I must either teach myself to hear it again, or... What is the alternative? Giving up on it entirely? What should I do, my friends? Should I stay here? Should I move on? To whom should I give my company? I've broken those who have tried to break me, and I don't know if I can go back to them now. And the man in the sea with his flute, well, maybe he knows this. Maybe he's realized. Maybe he doesn't want what I have to give. Who does? Where could I go? Why am I only asking questions? And asking them to you, no less. To someone who can't reply, or won't. Maybe because you are safe. It is safe for me to talk to you. I cannot harm you through this microphone. You cannot harm me. But what is this, then? I'm not really your friend. I said it once in warning to you. Perhaps it was a warning to both of us. But maybe I can be. Maybe this is exactly the place I'm meant to be. Here. On the other side of this microphone. Speaking with you. Maybe everything I need is right in front of me. I promised you a story this week about a train. I once met someone who went on a spectacularly strange trip. She was an unusual young woman. She wandered around a place that was lush and full of grass and trees and flowers. It had been a busy place once, but now it was overgrown with weeds and completely abandoned. She knew this because she saw a few remnants of civilization hidden among the greenery, even on a night as dark as this one. There was a signpost with directions on it, though the words faded away long ago, and vines wrapped themselves around it. There was a little booth, 
someone may have once stood behind, selling something. But she could not tell what. And there were train tracks on the ground, hidden among the grass. This was once a busy place, but now, it was just her here. And she didn't know why. You see, she had a terrible headache. She held the side of her head in her hand and squinted her eyes at the world around her, confused. She had no memory. She didn't know why she was here, or how she got here. She didn't even remember who she was. And so she wandered around, calling out occasionally in case someone could find her and help her. But no one came for what felt like hours and hours. In eternity, it seemed, for the pounding in her head was so loud and so painful. And then she heard the strange sound of rapidly spinning wheels click-clacking against tracks and a steam engine roaring in the distance. It couldn't be a train. Not on a track like this, surely. But it was. Eventually the sound grew louder and louder, so loud that she had to press her palms against her ears. A light appeared in the distance, and she closed her eyes against its sudden brightness. Sure enough... A train passed right in front of her on the tracks. It slowly came to a screeching halt. It was a beautiful, huge, ornately decorated train. Lovely. Perhaps the loveliest thing she'd ever seen, if she could only remember. A door opened, and a person appeared in it. It was a man. He wore a brown suit. Not terribly expensive, but it was clean and cared for. He wore a brown bowler hat, which was a little dusty and faded. Messy hair that looked just a little longer than was in style for his time peeked out from under that hat. He was handsome, she thought to herself, and close to her in age. Perhaps only a little bit older, but it was difficult to tell. Tall, a little thin, a little gaunt but he had a charming twist to his smile and glint in his eye that seemed to instantly strike her in the heart. He extended a hand to her, inviting her on board. Oh, no, I haven't got a ticket, she protested, checking the folds of her simple faded white gown for any pockets, and found none. But the man simply kept smiling. Trust me. This is your train. She wasn't sure what to do. She didn't know if she should trust this stranger and get on the vehicle with him. But it was a fine train indeed. And she had been wandering this place all alone for so long with nothing but a pounding headache, which had somehow disappeared already. She needed help, and help had come. How could she turn it away? She took his hand, and he helped her on board. Her eyes instantly adjusted to the soft glow of gaslit lamps, 
She was on the dining car. Dozens of faces looked up at her and smiled, nodding in her direction, and then went back to drinking, eating, playing cards, or chatting with a friend. She immediately felt so much warmer being inside now, and greeted by smiling faces. Perhaps it was simply politesse on their part, but she couldn't help but feel they were happy to see her. The man who helped her on board offered her a drink, but she refused. She wanted to see more of the train, and so he walked her through it. He still held her hand. She thought about protesting, but she didn't feel uncomfortable with it yet, and so she left her hand in his as he led her through. You said this was my train. I can't remember anything. I must have hit my head. What did you mean by that? Was I meant to be here? She asked him. They stopped in a little hallway where little rooms waited, doors closed. He turned to her and held her hands in both of his as if it was a little bird. He smiled softly and answered, You were, my dear. It took us a long time to find you, but we did. She blushed a little both at the gesture but also at the idea that perhaps she had caused this train to be late with her absence. She considered apologizing, but she couldn't remember anything after all. She didn't know what she would apologize for. He opened the door to one of the little rooms. He told her that it was the honeymoon cabin, that it was empty and she could rest there as long as she liked. She was grateful for the privacy in the little silent room to recover in. He would be in the dining car if she needed him, he uttered, and then shut the door and left. She looked around, seeing a small cot against the wall, and compartments overhead. He said the cabin was empty, but there were suitcases stacked there. Strange. She lay down and closed her eyes, but she somehow couldn't sleep. She tossed and turned for a little while. Her headache was, indeed, completely gone, and she felt perfect. Perfectly healthy, perfectly comfortable, perfect. She didn't even feel tired. She knew this was unusual, given how long she was wandering before the train came by, but she didn't feel she needed sleep. Something caught her eye on the seats opposite her. It was a large velvet jewelry box, old and faded. The shade of blue and the patches missing from the velvet struck her suddenly as very familiar. She went over to it and opened it. She was immediately greeted by an oval locket on a gold chain. It had a little flower carved into it and she recognized it. She picked it up and easily opened it, and saw two people inside. Her heart ached. Mother and father, her memory echoed. This was hers. And also in the box sat a little gold ring. It wasn't as lovely as the necklace, it was an antique with only a very small ruby on it. Not an expensive ring by any standards, but she knew it instantly as hers as well. 
She slipped it on her finger, and the perfect fit confirmed her suspicion. She draped the necklace over her head and wore it, too. Her heart pounded in her chest against the locket. Someone had taken her things. She knew they were hers, but she didn't understand what was happening. Panic filled her lungs, her heart, her shaking hands. The train seemed to roar and go even faster, though it glided smooth as silk on the tracks. She ran out into the dining car and found the man in the shabby brown suit sitting at the bar, sipping a drink. That smirk on his face suddenly filled her with rage. Was it you? She demanded, gesturing to her necklace and the ring on her finger. These are mine. I don't remember much, but I know these are mine. You must have known they were mine or you wouldn't have put me in there. I demand to know what's going on. She raved at him, raising her voice unabashedly, and the whole of the dining car watched her do it. They were all staring at her, smiling, and she realized it. She looked around at them, and every single person seemed to be in on some joke that she was the butt of. She didn't like it. But, breaking the uncomfortable silence, a woman suddenly cried out, It's time! Everyone excitedly ran to the windows, opened them, and looked outside at what was ahead of the train. The man in brown smiled even still, though a little less brightly. He extended a hand to the girl. Come see, he offered. She didn't take his hand, but she did go to a window and looked out ahead at what they were all seeing. There was a bright light in the distance, and it grew larger and brighter as they went. The whistle of the train played loudly and frantically, and she realized that she didn't only hear the sound of the train she was on, but another train. And the bright light ahead of them suddenly illuminated another great and large train headed right for them. They were going to crash head-on into another train that must have somehow been set on the wrong track, in the wrong direction. She screamed as she saw it, but everyone else was laughing and cheering. She could have sworn that she heard the same thing coming from the other train, too. This was insanity. She tried to scream at someone to make it stop, stop the train. She tried to leap out the window to safety, but the man in brown clasped her tight to keep her from doing so. And the two trains collided. But they did not stop. They passed through each other, as though they were both made of nothing but air. And the passengers in the dining car clapped their hands and clinked their glasses in a strange toast. A few even broke out into song like it was New Year's and the clock had just struck twelve. But our hero didn't weep or scream or demand answers. When the other train passed through her, she saw it all, clear as day. Long ago, there had been a train crash just like it. Identical, in fact, 
She had watched it from the same window she just did, and all the passengers with her had done the same. Only they weren't laughing and cheering. They were screaming too. And there was a man in a poor brown suit, holding her then too. But he wasn't restraining her. He was embracing her. She turned around and looked at him, tears in her eyes. He smiled sadly, but not without that mischievous charm that she'd fallen in love with so many years ago. I'm sorry it took us so long to find you, he said sadly, and took her hand in both of his hands again. He felt the ring he'd given her with his fingers. She looked over at the passengers around her, who suddenly seemed so strange and sad in their celebrating their own demise. But perhaps they'd seen it before, she thought. And she was right. Every night they waited for the crash. They waited for their own little memory of their time on Earth. Their time on this train with those they loved. Perhaps they were reclaiming this moment for themselves, in the name of joy, in the name of the lovely chaos that life can contain. Now that life had passed them by like a train in the night, they were eager to celebrate it wherever and however they could. She smiled at her husband, her brand new husband, who she remembered as clear as daylight which she'd never see again, and which she didn't need to. There was daylight enough coming from these lamps in the dining car, and she took him up on that drink. I don't know if the train ever stopped. I don't know if it's meant to. I don't know if the girl ever decided to get off it again. I don't know if I would, to be honest. Yes. Yes, I do. I would. I think I would be extremely unhappy about that decision. But it is in my nature to hop off a warm, friendly train full of smiling faces in favor of a dark, cold night. It's in my nature. Good night. My friends. Hello, everyone, and thanks so much for listening to episode 62 of On a Dark Cold Night. This is your writer, host, podcaster extraordinaire, Kristen. I hope you guys are having a great week. First off, a big thank you goes to Daniel R.W., who left us a lovely recommendation on Facebook. It reads, Love, love, love. Happily, I am still in the binging phase as one episode at a time is never enough. Feels like you have a close friend who you are just a little bit afraid of. Possibly the best podcast voice after Phoebe Judge. Highly recommend. Thank you so much for taking the time to recommend the show. I really, really appreciate it, and what a great compliment. 
Thanks so much, Daniel. If you want to support the show, you can leave us a recommendation on Facebook too. Uh, you can also leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. It really helps us podcasters out if you can. Next, I do have a Patreon page where for the minimum of $1 a month or more, if you like, um, you can get access to my ever-updating soundtrack of the show. Find me there at patreon.com slash darkcoldnight. Also, if you only want to donate once and not receive that perk, you can buy me a coffee at ko-fi.com slash darkcoldnight. And in recent news, I have t-shirts and sweaters for the show available. You can buy one at bonfire.com slash on-a-dark-cold-night. Lastly, reach out anytime on social media. You can find me on Twitter at a dark cold night, Instagram at dark cold night podcast, or on my Facebook page. I'd love to hear from you. I'm also on YouTube if you want to listen to the show there, like your favorite episodes, um, all that sort of thing. Thanks so much for tuning in and listening. I hope you're doing well, taking care of yourself, enjoying the springtime. Until next time, my friends. <laughs> <laughs>